You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. you, but I serve a big, big God. A God capable of doing anything. For the scripture I read says that nothing is impossible with God. Leaders exist to serve people, not rule over them. People exist to serve God, not the rulers, not the church or anything else. I don't want you serving me. I want you serving God. Our main goal is to glorify God in everything that we do and give Him credit for everything that He chooses to accomplish in and through us. Pastor Dave reminds us in today's message that we serve a big God. Everything we do should be for His glory and to bring more and more people to Him. God can do anything, so we have no reason to not do as He's instructed. Since He can accomplish everything, we can be courageous and proclaim His power. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges chapter 8 with part 2 of his message, After the Victory, Be Careful. You are then Gideon the son of Zoash returned from battle from the Ancient of Herbs. And he caught a young man of the men of Sukkoth and interrogated him. And he wrote down for him the leaders of Sukkoth and its elders, 77 men. When he had came to the men of Sukkoth, he said, here are Zeba and Zamuna, about whom you ridiculed me, saying, Are the hands of Zeba and Zamuna now in your hand, that we should give bread to your weary men? And he took the elders of the city and thorns and the wilderness and the briars, and with them he taught the men of Sukkoth, and he tore down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of the city. <laughs> wow. This is a big difference than the Gideon who was real soft and mild. From the mild-mannered reporter, he turns into Superman, and he does all these crazy things to these guys. He's mad. He's mad at them. Why? He crossed over the Jordan. Who's on the other side of the Jordan? The two and a half tribes, remember? The two and a half tribes that we studied in Joshua who stayed on the other side of the Jordans? They weren't real cozy with their brothers on the other side. Proximity had a lot to do with it. They weren't real fond of those guys. They weren't as close as the nation's. They didn't even send any men to help any of the judges. So Gideon was looking for a little hospitality. He couldn't get any bread. These men were skeptical of Gideon's ability to complete the victory. They were afraid if the war was lost, then the Midianites would come down and take care of them too and harass them. They didn't want to show brotherly love. Instead, they treated Gideon and his men rudely, and they questioned their intent. Gideon warned them what would happen. And after that, he did the same thing to them. Keep several things in mind here. First, he had peace with the victory that he won. Why was he doing that? He wanted to maintain the peace. He wanted to maintain the peace. He didn't want to have any division. And these were obviously against him. So this riled him and made him angry. Sure, the battle had been won and a great victory had taken place, but the peace had to be maintained at all costs. Sometimes success can only be maintained by loving discipline and correction when necessary. 
Satan will do whatever he can to divide and conquer us. Satan will do whatever he can to divide and conquer. And one time, I had to deal with somebody over division. And they asked me, where is the grace? And I said, talk to Dathan about grace when it comes to division. Because when Dathan caused division, when Moses was up on the mount getting the Ten Commandments, what happened? The earth opened up and swallowed him up. The Lord does not like division. The Lord does not like someone who causes division. If Satan puts in your heart a hardness to a brother or a sister, and we start to come against the leadership. But the Lord places the leaders in, so you're not really coming against the leadership. Who are you coming against? The Lord. These men were not coming against Gideon. They were coming against God. And Gideon knew it. This is why Gideon dealt with them so harshly. God does not like division. God does not like those who divide. It's one thing to be personally insulted the way the Ephraimites came up to Gideon like insulted him. But any rebellion against the Lord must be stopped. It must be stopped. As we move on, we read a few more things about these two guys, 18 through 21. And he said to Zeba and Zumala, what kind of men were they whom you killed at Tabor? So they answered, as you are, so were they. Each one resembled the son of a king. And then he said, they were my brothers, the sons of my mother. As the Lord lives, if you had let them live, I would not kill you. And he said to Jether, his firstborn, rise, kill them. But the youth would not draw his sword, for he was afraid because he was still a youth. So Zeba and Zalzuma said, rise yourself and kill us. For as a man is, so is his strength. So Gideon arose and killed Zeba and Zalmunna and took the crescent ornaments that were on their camel's neck. It seems that these two princes had killed Gideon's brothers, the sons of his mother. The two princes tried to flatter Gideon by saying, the men all looked alike. They were just like you, prince. These men were sarcastic towards Gideon. Gideon asked his young son to slay these men, but he couldn't do it because he was a young man. And then they get smart with Gideon and say, well, you do it. If you're such a man, you do it. So Gideon did. He killed him. Killed him right there. But as we read the end of the chapter, several questions were asked, one by other people and another by Gideon. Let's look at 22 through 32. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, rule over us, both you and your son, and your grandson also, for you have delivered us from the hand of the Midianites. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Then Gideon said to them, I would like to make a request of you that each of you would bring me the earrings from his plunder. For they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. So they answered, we will gladly give them. And they spread out a garment and each man threw into the earrings from his plunder. Now the weight of gold earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold, beside the crescent ornaments, pendants, and purple robes which were on the kings of Midian, and besides the chains that were around the camel's necks. Then Gideon made it into an ephod and set it up in his city, Ophrah. And all Israel played the harlot with it there. It became a snare to Gideon and to his house. 
Thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel so that they were lifted their heads no more. And the country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. So we see a little interesting thing here. It's interesting that everybody thinks that Israelites only wanted a king in the time of Samuel. But it shows you how far back they started asking for a king. Hundreds of years before Samuel, they started asking for a king. They wanted Gideon to be a king. You be a king and rule over us, you and your son. You got to love Gideon's answer. You got to love Gideon's answer. He says, we're not going to rule over you. But the Lord is the one who rules over you. The ultimate ruler is our Lord. He is in charge of everything. He is the one who leads and who guides, not man. When it comes to this church, when it comes to his church, he is the head. He is the leader of this church. We serve him. We serve you and we're serving him. We're serving him by serving you. He is the leader of the church, not me. Christ is the leader of his church. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1, 24, I didn't want to come and have dominion over her. I didn't want to be in charge of you. There are many people, many pastors today who want to have dominion over the people. I said this a while back. You belong to God. You are God's sheep. You are his sheep. I'm one of his sheeps. He just has given me a position as a pastor, as an under-shepherd, someone who look after his sheep, feed his sheep, guide his sheep. That's the position he's given me and he's called me to. Some people say you can't go to another fellowship. You can't associate with other fellowships. How can we say that? Aren't we all God's sheep? Aren't we all God's people? Those that have accepted Christ. I don't want to have dominion over any flesh. I just want to share in the joy. It's a great position in. We stand by faith and no other reason. Our job is to help you experience the joy of the Lord. Paul's careful to point out that no one's Lord in the church. Even him, who was an apostle. It's been said that God reserves three things for himself. To make something out of nothing. To know future events. And to have dominion over men's consciences. God is the one that has dominion over us. God is the one. Sadly, there are far too many people who are willing to take dominion and put it over other believers. They want to rule over you. They want to rule over you. God is our ruler. God is the one who takes charge over us. Gideon doesn't want to be king, but he does ask a strange request. He asked that they make an ephod. Does anybody remember what the ephod was? Who wore the ephod? Priests. Gideon wanted this ephod. It's almost like he wanted this as a reward for his valentry or gallantry. He wanted this reward. And he made this ephod, but it slipped him. He made, it caused him to stumble because Israel started to worship the ephod. It's a shame. He wasn't careful. He was careful at first not to revile against the guys. He was careful to take care of the division and do things God's way. He was careful with killing those that have come against God's army and stuff like that. But then, I don't know what happened. Gideon's a man, just like us. He's a human. And he wanted something for himself. And he took it, he put it on, and all of a sudden, 
They raised him up. They raised him up. The people began to worship it. It became a monument to the victory. Oh, Gideon, where you have fallen from. You started out so humble. You started out so meek. You allowed the Lord to lead you and guide you. You allowed the Lord to show you great things and do miraculous things through you. And now all of a sudden, what you're wearing has become a monument. God doesn't want monuments. God wants hearts. God doesn't want monuments made. This church should never be a monument. It's a place where we come and gather. It's a place where we teach God's word, where we worship him, where we pray, where we have communion. It's a place where we fellowship. Not a monument. The Lord caused this place to crumble down. We'd find some other place to go. But the church is you. The church is you, God in you. That's the church. This is a building. You go around and all these places, you go over to Israel. You go to all these places where Paul may have trekked through Asia and Rome. And every place supposedly Paul was, guess what's there? A Catholic church. Great big monument. Monuments. That's all the Vatican is, a huge monument. It's sad. People worship that. People worship that. Time and time and time again, you see a great movement by the Holy Spirit. A revival happens through one person. We talked about that. Each revival begins with one heart. But then man constructs a monument to the man of God. Oh, you're so great and wonderful. We're going to construct this monument because you did so many things. Pastor Chuck was alive today. And then us would dare say, we want to construct a monument to who? To you, Pastor Chuck. Oh my gosh. What he would do, what he would say. When men are glorified, God is forgotten. When you raise man up on a pedestal, man then takes God's place in your heart. That is not a good place to be. That is not a good place to be. Great book out. I have a copy someplace. There's a great book out by Edward Welch. Fantastic Christian writer. Has written many, many books on depression. Many, many books on addiction and stuff like that. But one of the books I've loved, he said, when people are big, God is small. Great book. Great book. About when we're putting our stock in people, God becomes tiny. I don't know about you, but I serve a big, big God. A God capable of doing anything. For the scripture I read says that nothing is impossible with God. Leaders exist to serve people, not rule over them. People exist to serve God, not the rulers, not the church or anything else. I don't want you serving me. I want you serving God. Our main goal is to glorify God in everything that we do and give him credit for everything that he chooses to accomplish in and through us. Interesting, when the nation was at war, Gideon excelled and trusted in the Lord for the victory. But in a time of peace and prosperity, Gideon pulled away from God and began to trust in himself. I've seen this so many times, folks. There's a great battle to be fought in your life 
you are so solid against God that, oh man, and your faith is strong and you're telling other people about the Lord and you're confessing Jesus and you're strong and you're believing. And then all of a sudden you get a victory. Maybe you get healed or maybe something miraculously happens or, or your kids get saved or something like that. And all of a sudden, God gets set on the back burner. The victory is won. Woo-hoo. But then all of a sudden you forget about God. How sad. How sad. Gideon dies. We say goodbye to our friend in 29 through 35. Then Jerubbabel, remember they changed his name to Jerubbabel, the son of Joash, went and dwelt in his own house. Gideon had 70 sons who were his own offspring, for he had many wives. He was a busy guy. And his concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son, whose name was called Abimelech. Now Gideon, the son of Joash, died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of Joash's father in Ophrah of Abiezerites. So it was, as soon as Gideon was dead, look at this, that the children of Israel again played the harlot with the Baals and made Baal Barith their god. Thus the children of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hands of their enemies on every side, nor did they show kindness to the house of Jerubbabel Gideon in accordance with the good he had done for all of Israel. Oh, how easily we forget. Oh, how easily we forget. When we get the victory, brothers and sisters, when we get the victory, my beloved brethren, when we get the victory, be careful. Remember from whence the victory came and who gave it to you and who was responsible for it. And never let it out of your mind. Never look another way. You do not want this to happen to any of us. How easy the rubber band went back to its shape. We are like rubber bands and God uses us and uses us and uses us and uses us, and uses us, and uses us, and we get the victory right back to the old shape. I'm going to miss Gideon. I'm going to miss him. We can learn a lot from him. We can learn a lot about trusting in God. The Bible's quite clear, and I love the fact that they don't sugarcoat this. They don't sugarcoat anything that happened to Gideon. They showed his weak faith. They showed him growing in faith. They showed the great victory that God did through him. They showed him giving God the glory. They showed him doing miraculous things. And they also showed him sliding again. I like that. We can glean a lot from Gideon because you know what? We're just like him. We're just like him. Oh, how I don't want us to be. How I want us to remember these saints. God wanted us to remember them too because Gideon failed many times. We read it. We saw it. Gideon had concubines. He had kids galore. But in Hebrews 11, in Hebrews 11, the Holy Spirit inspired the writer, who I believe is the Apostle Paul. The Holy Spirit inspired the writer to say this thing in chapter 11, verse 32. We call chapter 11 the hall of faith because it's all about faith. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon. And they list the other names 
of some of the other people that we've studied or will study. And God remembered their sin no more. Gideon's right there. He's right there. Oh, to be a man after God's own heart. Oh, to be a woman after God's own heart. Oh, to be one who would seek him with every ounce of our fiber, every ounce of our being, as often as we can. And just think what God might do. Look what he did with one man. One man. Imagine what he could do with a whole group of people whose heart were totally towards him, seeking him with every ounce of fiber. I long for that day. I long to see that. I see it in some of you. I see it. I see it down there, just waiting to burst out. Let it out. Let it go. God wants to use you miraculously. We read 2 Chronicles 16.9. God is looking to and fro throughout the land for a heart that he can show himself strong on behalf. Are you that heart? A lot of things to be done. You know, the Lord's coming back soon. Make no mistake about it. You know, it's always been said, well, you know, the Lord's lighting the candles for the feast. Well, I think he's got the horses saddled, and I think he's got one foot in the stirrup. He's got his hand on that trumpet. He's ready. He's ready to come. And I think it could be any minute. Now would be a great time, Lord. But until that time, there are people to reach. Should he tarry? There are people to reach with his word. God's wish is that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. He's looking for your heart. Is your heart true to God? Well, I struggle. Yes, so did Gideon. Gideon struggled. Open your hearts up to God. Let the Holy Spirit lead you, guide you. Give the Holy Spirit access to your life. Let him show you wonders and do miraculous things through you. He did it through Gideon. He could do it through you. Any one of us. I don't know why I'm thinking of this, and I'm definitely going to close here. Back on Route 73, up around the corner where Edgewood High School, see, that's how old I am, Edgewood High School. It's now Winslow High School. But back in the day, it was Edgewood High School. As you turn that corner, there used to be a sign. And when I, we used to go up to 73 all the time because my parents lived in Cherry Hill. B's mother and father lived in Northeast Philly. We used to drive 73 on a regular basis, once or twice or three or six times a week. And there was a sign up there. And it simply said, God is waiting to be wanted. Seek him with your whole heart. Seek him while he still can be found. When we seek God with our whole heart, you'll find him. He's there. You are Pastor Dave Shank will continue his series in the book of Judges next time you join us for A Sure Hope. In the meantime, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We'd encourage you to download these messages so they're available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always a time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. 
You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Both services offer nursery and Sunday school where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You're also welcome to join us Wednesday nights at 7 for our verse-by-verse study through the Bible. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Judges. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover Jesus working in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this Old Testament book right here on A Sure Hope.